And welcome to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel powered by InsideTexas.com. I'm Joe Cook. we got another Wednesday night live stream with Eric Nalene and Justin Wells. Eric, how you doing? I know you've been on the recruiting trail, checking out the road. Justin, you the same. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? Can't complain. Finally got to talk to uh, Steve Sarkeesian a little bit, and that's going to give us a lot to talk about tonight. Justin, how things up in East Texas? Pleasant. Very doing doing very well. We got good weather. A little bit of rain, but it's nice. 60s, 70s. Summer's not here yet, but it's it's still cool. Nice to go outside. That's what it is. It's good for off-season football weather. It's almost perfect. Groundhog Day just came by. I'm not gonna butcher that name, but I think spring's on the way. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian speaks some notes from his signing day press conference. Uh, talk specifically about some of the personnel moves made, including Brandon Harris to general manager, John Michael Jones to director of player personnel, and a couple other moves. Y'all two were on the uh, recruiting trail, talking to some top targets in both Houston and East Texas. And then we can get a little bit to Sark on the wide receiver room. So, uh, guys, let's let's go into the uh, the second National Signing Day press conference. Justin and Eric, I think when I first met you guys, it was the uh, 2016 signing day. And I think I gave you all a text at some point uh, on, on the Wednesday before or the night before. And I don't think y'all got back to me until Friday because y'all were up writing all these commit stories and things like that. But uh, now, you know, Justin, it's, it doesn't not, not much really happens on this second signing day and, and nothing really happened. Uh, this time for uh, for the Longhorns. No, and and, and I'm, I'm sure Eric feels the same. It's it's a it used to be a really big deal. I mean, it was the one time of the year where recruit Knicks could go crazy and and all the fun fun and all that kind of stuff. And I miss it a little bit. I woke up this morning. I'm thinking it's signing day, and then I check my notes, and 80 percent of the 2024 class is already playing football at Texas. And so I thought, well. This is this is certainly different. I know Eric feels the same way, man. It's just we used to look forward to it, but unless you're a transition guy, you know, and, and a transition program like AM, you know, overturning what they did, it's just not the same, man. I, I miss it. I don't I don't miss it. I think the portal took its place. January was enough for me. We had all the excitement we needed in January. Nah. Oh man, 2016, that was a long time ago. I think they landed nine commits that day. Hey. Uh, it was at eight commits. Brandon Jones, Eric Fowler. We had I had to have those things all lined up. I missed I missed, I missed one prediction that day. It was Stefan Taylor shows South Carolina. Uh, and I guess oh. he never really amounted to much out of, out of New Orleans. But McDonough 35 school. That guy was a beast in high school. But yeah, Joe, you've been with us since 2016, huh? Well, that's when I graduated. I remember remember that first little before then, Joe, weren't you? Yeah, you were before well, us before then. You, Remember you, that little job? You you were always going to get hired from inside by Inside Texas. Remember that little scoop I had of uh, Jordan Elliott was saying Eric Fowler was recruiting him while he was an LSU yeah. commit at that yeah. Army All American game. So that was uh, a lot of. That's a long time ago. <laughs> the best thing out. about Jordan Elliott was they asked him, you know, why'd you choose number fifty five? And he looked everybody straight in the face and said, because that's how many times I decommitted, sure. and I will always have a healthy respect. For that kid, and he plays in the NFL. He still plays in the league. He he made his mark. That he did. But signing day today with Steve Sarkeesian, not a whole lot was talked about with regards to, to high school guys. 
Uh, a whole class essentially was signed back in December. Uh, but the only guys that he did talk about uh, were some of the transfer portal additions. He did get to talk about Matthew Golden and Andrew Makuba a little bit back in December. The program announced them then. But the other six, he talked a little bit about them today, uh, just a little bit of a spiel on each. And uh, we got uh, some some content over there on on Inside Texas about what he said uh, regarding each guy. But, you know, all those guys, uh, the, the tidbit that I took away from it today was all those guys, save for Silas Bolden, are already on campus. Uh, he's got to finish up his degree at Oregon State, and then he will head to Austin and join the program. But, Eric, you know, there are four more weeks of off-season workouts we learned today. Spring ball starts March 19th, and uh, a lot of those transfers are, are already – uh, in the program and already making progress in weight training and strength and conditioning with Tory Becton. Yeah, my main takeaway when he talked about the transfers was Isaiah Bond. That, you know, that everybody knows he's fast. He's got elite speed, as Sarkeesian said. We knew that coming out of high school. Uh, Sark mentioned they recruited him out of high school very hard, so they, they had that pre-existing relationship. But what stood out was that they think he's a more well-rounded receiver than just a deep threat, and I think that's something that it's evident in tape that he's got good hands, good body control, good ball skills. Uh, I think he's going to be a complete receiver. And I don't think, you know, I think, you know, Xavier Worthy was, was very good. I think Bond is, I don't think there's going to be a ton of drop off there. Uh, I think Bond is actually a more complete receiver when you, when you factor in his, his hands. But my main takeaway from the whole thing was, you know, that, that got me through the drive and I heard your question. It was a good one about receivers and, and playing, uh, you know, multiple positions or, or kind of being fitted in the same fit, uh, spot as uh, kind of with Ad, Ed and I Mitchell at boundary and uh, Whittington in the slot. But, um, you know, my main takeaway from the whole thing was that the guy is in total control of that program. He knows exactly where it's headed. He's confident but not boastful. Um, just a total – a fantastic grasp on the climate, The everything about it. The man is in total control. If he doesn't win a national championship or two, I will be absolutely shocked. Justin, you saw him uh, talk a little bit about not being complacent with the 2023 season, and there was a, a quote – and. Uh, we even put it out on our social channels about he uh, he got a taste of, of what championships are like, and it wasn't even a couple of days after that he wanted more. And I think that's the the big high profile quote uh, that was worth taking away, even though some of the NFL aggregation accounts found something that we said about Arch Manning that I don't think we put on social media. Uh, but but Steve Sarkeesian saying he wanted more from. To, it wanted more, wanted more as far as championship goes. I think that was something that really stood out to me. And that's, you know, in, in February at this point that he's making that point. I'll tell you what's, uh, what else stood out is <clears throat> he said the 2024 team will not be like the 2023 team. I thought that was important. A lot of times coaches get really set on what they do and they think that's the reason they made it there and they they don't you know, broaden the horizons. I think Sark has become so transparent to the fact he will change on week to week. It, it, it's really a, a pleasant surprise. He will, he literally has told us he'll steal from other guys on, if he's watching a late game on a Saturday night. I think that's tremendous. And he wanted people to understand 2023 was, was the taste and that they want to get more, obviously not just one, but two there, there's, there's a deep, you know, tr a foundation there for, for success, but it was also about, like what he said, he, that that success is going to come. He he's just he has the temperament for this job, guys. 
he, he, he has the disposition. He has enough NFL experience. He has enough head coaching experience, and he has enough Nick Saban experience to really mold everything that's happening in the sports world that's changing drastically in college sports. And so Sark just has the right temperament, and I think he's got the right idea. Look, 23 was great, but 24 is going to be a different team. And he says, I can't wait to identify you know, who's going to be the strengths there and, and how they're going to effectively deploy that. To me, he's going to get more creative. And with all these new toys, he's like a kid in a candy store. Do you remember the – I think it was when spread offenses were becoming a thing, uh, when Nick Saban said something like, is this what we want football to become? <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, you know, the ground and pound, you know, genius is getting passed up. And he hires Lane Kiffin, hires – Steve Sarkeesian and has a couple offenses under uh, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones, uh, and then even under Bill O'Brien with with Bryce Young that just set a bunch of records. And that showed an adaptability to the game that few are willing to make. And I think uh, that Eric, we've seen this sort of adaptability and not only how he's built his roster via recruiting, but also via the portal and utilized his offense as well. Yeah, I think uh, number one for him is that, you know, he's not adapting to the game quite as much as, as like Nick Saban had to, but I think he's adapting to the times, the modern times, the portal, uh, NIL, and, and that thing. I think he's, you know, in that, and I think we're going to talk about general manager and all that, but in that regard, he sort of is a fantastic general manager. Um, he's kind of ahead of the curve. You know, some of the great GMs in the game are what, you know, kind of built a lot of these, uh, the championship teams because they were forward thinking, you know, you had the money ball. They didn't win a national, they didn't win a title, but they got really close to uh, spending a lot, a lot less. Uh, even Jerry Krause was ahead of, you know, he didn't deserve all the credit like he thought he did, but he did a lot of really good things. Uh, I think Sark is a fantastic uh, general manager. Not that he's the actual one, but it's, you know, he, he understands how to build a team in this climate. Um, you know, as far as the scheme stuff, he's, he's still ahead of that. Like Nick was for a while until he got passed up. Sark is still at the forefront of all those things. Uh, we don't have anything to worry about that one for a while. And, I guess what we'll talk about a little bit later is he's kind of like Shanahan at, at, at being kind of like having the in vogue offense right now. Uh, but I think the bigger thing about where he's in tune and adaptable is NIL and, and portal and and really uh, relating to the players. Um, these players are a lot different than they were 10 years ago. You know, we got this no, comment. No, it only took a couple minutes for Eric to, to interject San Francisco 49er stuff. So you got the under on that one, buddy. Oh, man, I should have brought in my Ronnie Lott jersey for today. You know, it's it's super it's Super Bowl week, so we weren't gonna get away from that. This comment from Patrick Page, Sark is a CEO mold head coach. That's true. He's got CEO, you know, qualities and things like that, but I mean he's he said it before, he's not gonna give up play calling when he's one of the better play callers in this country. So I think that Sark is a little bit unique in that regard. And yes, he's got so many of these CEO qualities, but at the same time, he's still a you know, one of the top play callers in the game. Well, yeah, he's a football coach and he understands the, how, the importance of culture. He he, insta he talks about culture like a defensive coach. So you got the yeah. offensive play calling and design, the CEO qualities as far as stewardship of the program and, and being forward thinking. And then um, then the sort of a defensive, the, a lot of these genius, the offensive geniuses don't really focus on offense. It's, you know, Lincoln Riley's number one uh, issue. So, <laughs> So I was uh, talking to a coach the other day, Lincoln Riley was just on his campus uh, right before the, uh, the, the visit period uh, closed up. And I was like, well, what was he like? He's like, man, that guy was really nice and really laid back. I'm like, yeah, like his defenses. So uh, I think Sark gets it a whole lot more as far as the, the total culture that, that you need for to have toughness on offense and defense. I think that's a good way to segue into what Steve Sarkeesian said about 
some of his assistant coaching staff. He did get the chance to talk a little bit about Johnny Nansen, uh, someone he's known for a long time, grabbed from Arizona, grabbed from the West Coast. And he talked a little bit about Kenny Baker and some of the connections that he had uh, in order to get him. And I think he mentioned uh, two guys in the Dolphins organization, uh, Mike McDonald and not Mike McDonald, Mike McDaniel uh, and Greer. I forget the first name, but the the general manager, I think, of the Dolphins. And so, Justin, any takeaways from what he said about uh, the additions before we uh, touch a little bit of, uh, on some of the uh, possibilities of subtractions from the staff that Texas was able to kind of fend off or work around? No, I think that I think we've already hit that. I, th- I think we know we knew these guys coming in readers at InsideTexas.com. Come see us. Come come let us earn your business. Uh, they've known about these guys. I think Sark basically confirmed a lot of a lot of that. I, I, we knew that Isaiah Bond had that history with them. Matthew Golden's going to bring something special. I think Trey Moore is going to do something special. Makuba, you know, it always felt like he wanted to come back home. So I, I, I think I think that part Sark wanted to m- make sure he he nailed that. I, I was I, like I said, I was more into him talking about what his team's going to look like. I was more into him talking about Quinn Ewers, giving him another example. You know, last night on on, I, on Inside Texas YouTube football channel, we talked about and you'll see it tomorrow in the deep dive. We talked about a little bit <clears throat> about how Sark's guys seem to uh, kind of trend this way with this NFL draft and how you're seeing how that's like the best recruiter you could possibly see. The fact that Sark is building these guys and building this program and building it the way he is, it is a CEO type dot vibe. There is a GM type vibe. And I think people are more interested in the new recruiting staff. I think people want to know more about what their roles are. Been waiting for you guys all day. Thanks. Great guacamole. Before we get to the new recruiting staff, but we got a lot on that. Eric, there was that little tidbit about how Sarkeesian said a lot of his assistants basically, he claimed all of his assistants uh, got offered. I, I think, think he, said nearly, he said nearly all of them. Nearly all of them uh, got offered roles at other places. And um, we've been covering Texas football for a while where Texas is trying to pill for assistance, uh, whether it be new coordinators and things like that. Now, Steve Sarkeesian. Of course, he had to make two uh, new additions, but he's keeping guys like Kyle Flood, Deshard Choice, Jeff Banks, uh, Chris Jackson on the offensive side of the ball. You go on the defensive side of the ball, he's got – yeah, he had to make two changes, but Blake Gideon and Terry Joseph uh, and Pete Kwiatkowski are still there. The coordinators are there. The strength coach is there. And Texas is a program people want to take from instead of a program that's taking things from people at this juncture for the most part. Yeah, it's the same thing you said about the players. You know, when you win as a team, the players start uh, having individual success or, or being recognized for their individual success. So the same thing goes with the coaches. We kind of knew this was going to happen uh, if they if they won. And, it, you know, we're, we're, here we are. Um, Terry Joseph, I think Terry Joseph got approached by LSU for the third time, uh, similar to Bo Davis. Every time uh, Brian Kelly has openings, he goes after Bo and, and Terry. Of course, Terry worked for him at Notre Dame. Imagine Terry Joseph recruiting with Corey Raymond with Terry at safeties and Corey at, at corners, Texas, and not getting anybody out of New Orleans or out of Louisiana. <laughs> that happens. So uh, it was good that they kept him. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and again, another thing that's similar to the players is, is people don't really want to leave Texas. If they leave, it's because it's just the, the, the situation is too good to turn down. Like, you know, Bo had a very good thing going back to his alma mater, getting to coach his son. He's going to get paid no matter where he went. So he was fine. Um, but, you know, for the most part, the coaches are, are like the players. They're not looking to leave. Uh, if everything is equal, you know, the, they're, they're, they're working hard. They're, they're seeing they're, they're a big part of the rebuild at Texas. There's sweat equity involved. 
And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of easy to keep guys right now. And, of course, you know, Texas pay, plays, pays pretty well as well. I can't believe none of you guys asked uh, Sark about his contract. Did I miss it? No, nobody asked that. I think there may have been, a, I guess, an expectation that he'll say – he'll deflect the question. Um, it'll come out in a couple weeks when it hits the, the Board of Regents. Uh, but I did think there was – there's something in your answer that you provided about sweat equity. And Sarkeesian over – at least last night – uh, during the basketball game, made the decision to reward some sweat equity uh, with some various promotions. Of course, Billy Glasscock, Billy Glasscock went to Ole Miss to be GM for Lane Kiffin, and that resulted in some promotions uh, on at, in the you're inside. You're wrong. Speaking on that word there, Joe. What happened? Oh boy, that resulted in some promotions uh, inside Moncrief. Uh, for four key members of, of the recruiting department. Obviously, we have Brandon Harris to general manager uh, up on the screen, along with John Michael Jones, uh, promoted to director of player personnel. Taylor Serrells was promoted to director of recruiting. And I think Kendall Perry uh, was promoted to director of recruiting operations. A lot of these are, are, are titles, but uh, I think, Justin, if you ask anybody involved in the Texas recruiting world, they would tell you that all these various promotions and uh, uh, are were earned and hard earned at that, and these are uh, great rewards for these four uh, crucial members of the Texas recruiting staff. Absolutely, and in, in each instance, I think it's Eric had mentioned a lot of it being title based, and I think there's a step up in, in every regard, especially with Taylor Searles going into that role. I think that's pretty pretty significant actually. And so it, it is a reward because these people are the ones that put on the shows, the junior days, the official visits, they get everything organized. And you know how important it is when you bring in a big time prospect, how important the hotel needs to be, how important the restaurant needs to be, the travel, the attention, the time, it can be taxing. And now in the portal age, it feels like it never ends. So you need full-time staffers that are qualified to do these things. And I think this was good from an internal standpoint, but Eric said it earlier and I agree. Like I think Sark still controls everything and it's really just a downstream effect. Not, not to knock Brandon Harris or any of those guys, but I think Sark kind of has his, uh, his fingertips on each part in some form or fashion. We saw him bringing in his wife, Miss L'Oreal, to, to, for Junior Day in January. And there were players that were talking about that. We hadn't seen that before. I thought that was a nice tweak. And so I think this core group, he wants to keep his guys. They, they've been loyal. I think he's a little pissed at Lane for, for taking Billy Glasscock, Joe. I think he's a little upset about that, but in you know these guys deserved it. They they got they got promotions, they got titles, they got a little bit more money, and now they've got a little bit more accountability, and that's where I think Sark's going to really help. Well, what better way to run a run a run a ship than that? You know, those the, everybody else in those offices are going to see. Man, J.M. Jones has been around here a long time. He worked very hard, and yeah. look, and, and Sark rewarded him. You're going to have a highly motivated staff behind the scenes. Um, you know, looking to be the next J.M. Jones or the next uh, next Terrace. But I thought it was extremely telling that Sark said him and Brandon are kind of on the same wavelength when it comes to uh, recruiting. And I think, you know, that, that got got me thinking about how, you know, Brandon is sort of his joystick in recruiting. So like how Sark wants his quarterback to be out on the field, you know, kind of, hey, I can get this guy this task and he's going to get it done. Uh, I thought that was real telling that they had that relationship. I, I knew that they were uh, that they got along well and. Uh, I knew that Brandon Harris was highly thought of behind the scenes and he, you know, he signed a new contract in January, but I didn't know that Sark really uh, doted on him uh, to that degree. And that, that was kind of eye-opening for me. 
You know, I remember, I think it was one of the Herman years, maybe even the first one. That's when we first heard of Brandon Harris. Maybe it was Charlie's last year. I can't remember. Uh, but he was a, yeah, a graduate transfer candidate from LSU, ended up going to North Carolina and playing on a pretty, I don't think it was a great Tar Heel team. And he's worked his way up in the recruiting department from an offensive analyst to various roles, kind of Brian Carrington and Derek Chang and, uh, even Rashad Samples, all all those guys except uh, for Harris have left, and he's worked his way up into this general manager role. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that that quarterback brain that those those two share um, that that helped Steve Sarkeesian make that decision. And I, Eric, you're right. Eric, Steve Sarkeesian and, and Justin, you said this too. Steve Sarkeesian's going to have final say. Uh, but we talked about adapting, and adapting in this day and age means he's got so many different hats to wear. That yeah. someone who knows how to help build the roster, help do things like that, and help you know see with similar eyes is of real value to the organization. And uh, as y'all have mentioned on the InsideTexas.com, he's been rewarded that way, uh, rewarded for those efforts too. Um, with John Michael Jones, director of player personnel, uh, I think this is a, a promotion from a, a role where he was uh, an assistant director of player personnel for offense, but he was key in building a lot of the walk-on program and and we've seen walk-ons uh I, I think he helped with both sides of the ball so but we've seen he, walk-ons he, like, he, he, he Jeff like, Bush was his big get yeah he headed up the whole walk-on all of he was pretty much over it it was kind of Herman wanted to get way more aggressive on it he thought it was a lost opportunity and he was exactly right and Jam Jones was perfect for it so yeah uh Jones did a really good job with the uh walk-ons I mean this I remember watching the tape from Cubble. I'm like, what the hell? These guys are really good. This guy should be playing somewhere. You tell me this guy can't play at Northwestern, or not Northwestern, but New Mexico State or something like that. Jet Bush obviously could have played uh, at, a, at a much bigger uh, school than being a walk-on. You know, I mean, it's good players. Michael Taff is a good player. I think Taff might have been Chang, but I'm not. I can't remember exactly. But um, yeah, the, the walk-ons you can find some hidden hidden gems, and Texas has been doing it largely to JM Jones. So finding those guys. Um, is, is a lot harder than it is to find the five stars. It's, it's real tough. Cause you know, they, they, they're just not that highly covered, I guess to say like they are players who you'll see. I think Michael Taft had two stars to his name. I know jet Bush had three uh, on, on any of the major services, but a lot of these guys are, you know, I remember Eric, you're one of your favorites, Jarrett Smith, who, uh, wasn't very very big, rather stature wise or recruiting wise, but you look at him and you knew that he could play, and it's a big part of the organization that helps teams or helps the team prepare on a week by week basis. So a lot of the the positives and the and the kudos can can go to John Michael Jones for that. Justin, anything on uh, Taylor Sarles or, or Kendall Perry and the promotions that they got? I know. Uh, they, they've been a key part, and we get to see some of it uh, when we're covering junior days and that they are there as part of the meet and greet and making sure that some of the first faces that a lot of these families who are coming to Texas for the first time, that the first faces they see are, you know, it's, it's important, but smiling and happy faces that let them know that Texas is an enjoyable place. They do a lot of planning, like I think even our – colleague charlie williams has mentioned they know what needs to be in a hotel room they usually know what uh you know parent may have a need or something like that but you know 
yeah, maybe they're not in the football side of things and determining, okay, this, this is the guard we need. This is the walk-on we need, but they help so much in the organizational part of recruiting and are being rewarded for, you know, the successes of the whole organization in a top six class and the top five, two top five classes before it. I mean, the first impression is, is everything. And you see pretty girls dressed nice in front of the football facility. That's the way you do it. Sark knows what he's doing. And, and I think Taylor and, and Kendall basically had the off field, the operational role. And I think they both, I think K- Kendall helped Taylor in that regard. And that was her number one uh, priority. Now she's in, that's why I mentioned her earlier. Now she's in a different realm. She's the director of recruiting. And I think it's just going to be more of what she's doing, but, but, you know, essentially maybe some a more, a little bit more responsibility on the back end. But I, I think they're just amplifying the experience for recruits when they get on campus. That's it's that big of a deal how the impression you make on these kids and their parents and their families and their coaches, you know, the Texas high school football coaches, you want to make everyone happy. So you want to make this such a big deal. And so I, I think Taylor and, and Kendall essentially just moved up a notch and, and, and it'll get promoted in that regard. But I think it's still, they'll still be doing more of the same. I just think Sark sees this on a bigger scale than some other coaches. And they realize, listen, Austin can sell itself. This is a place that is not difficult to wow someone, get them in there, get it done. And these ladies have shown they can damn sure do that. It's, Eric, a, good chance, it's a good chance to show that the, the program is organized and detail oriented. You know, they're kind of an introduction to that aspect of it. Um, you want the visits to come off without a hitch. You know, you want them as convenient as possible. Uh, you want them as informative as possible. Uh, and I think they're, you know, they're obviously uh, Sark thinks highly of them. So congrats to them for moving up again, you know, promote your internal people. If you can, it's just going to motivate everybody else. And one, I think one kind of small detail is these are two people. One is from obvious. I mean, they're both in the football world now, but one uh, is, you know, Stacy Serrell's daughter. And so that's someone who's well-respected in the football world. And I don't know exactly what Kendall Perry's background is, but I know I'm pretty sure I, I don't think her daughter or her father was an assistant coach at Texas or a current assistant coach. So it shows that at Texas for uh, staffers of, of any sort, there's opportunity, whether you're you're in the football world, out of the football world and and uh, starting out. Anything else on on these internal promotions or you all want to talk a little bit about some of the comments Sark made on the wide receiver room today. I mean, I'd love to field a question. Anybody got a question over there? Uh, yeah. We got a good one. We've only said Sark 1,700 times. Let's, let's talk. Oh, here we got more Sark. We got, we, go. we got a good uh, comment to, to start. Sark's transparency and openness should be very refreshing to his staff and players. As a fan, I like it because there's no deep-end speculation on what's happening behind the scene. Yeah, we've lived that one where one thing has been said and two different things have gone on behind the scenes. So uh, that's that's a lot different. And, you know, we as at press conferences, you tend to see and, and hope that a lot of the things are that are being said are truthful. You have to give some of the stuff side eye. But I mean, Eric, we 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 know a lot about the program. We hear a lot about the program, but it's it's pretty often that what Sark talks about out front is pretty close to what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be things you can't go in depth on, or he's going to have to be maybe a, a little bit of misdirection or maybe some coach speak. I mean, that's just the nature of the game, but you know, go back to when uh, Tom Herman got his first press conference or one of his early press conferences. He said, he said, yeah, after this press conference, I'm about to go meet with people and talk about their future. Well, he had already fired the whole staff. 
So right then and there, we knew that we couldn't trust anything he was going to say. We'd have to fact check everything. Uh, the first couple of weeks Sark was there, I would I would go and, and run checks on a lot of the things he said and everything was coming back true. And so he, you know, he earned the benefit of the doubt right then and there for me. And, you know, he's he's a stand up guy. He is. He really is. He's genuine. He's authentic. Uh, he's honest. Uh, he's candid. Um, you know, there's always going to be some times that he can't go into depth or, or he's going to you know try to try to get to the next question as quickly as possible. But, um, yeah, he's 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 uh, he's definitely a rare breed when it comes to how open he is with the uh, with the media. You know, Tom Herman was so Mensa. I remember that. And I remember the specifics because he said at that press conference, I'm going to interview everybody on staff at 8 a.m. tomorrow to talk about their future. And at uh, 8.05 a.m., he was on the Dan Patrick show. So it must have been some, some, some <laughs> yeah. pretty quick interviews. We already knew that we let everybody go, yeah. There were coaches that wanted us to ask Herman about those interviews. I think, like, I'm, I, think I think I did. In fact, you I may have. I that's back when you were holding people accountable, Joe. You lost oh, your touch. I hope not. Well, but hey, we'll check. I, I want to talk. I want to mention something from Ken Crockett here, um, and this is something we. I want to get this. This could be something we could do here. We need to get Eric back in East Texas, or you, Joe, back in East Texas for a for a meet and greet. It's been a while. It's been a long time. It's I, been I was, a long time. Was, and Ken Crockett's a good, is a big fan, and, and we appreciate it, man. We will definitely do that at some point. Keep us keep we'll keep you posted at InsideTexas.com. Come see us, and we'll make sure. But I'm gonna try to get Eric through here. Nah, I'm, I'm down. Done. I'm de- I'm definitely down. Yeah, we'll go we got to figure. We have to figure out who uh, who's on um, Texarkana Pleasant Grove's non-district schedule because I know they'll have to hang out probably up in that corner for most of it. But I mean, I know that all three of us would be excited to see. Lance Jackson get uh, play a little football on Friday nights up in up in East Texas up in East Texas. Hey, inside Texas members go hard in Texarkana. Okay, I mean big time. I think that would be a party up there, and I'm Absolutely. down to party. And I think it'd be a blast. Listen, PG Texas High is loaded. 2026 running back Tradarian Ball. You got Quay Ford, 2027 offensive lineman. Just remember the name, folks. He's going to be really good. Uh, you got to go up there. And then also don't forget Liberty Ilo. Texas is still recruiting Dequan Prevo. They went by there a couple weeks ago and, and assured him, look, we, we, we love you. We, we got to get you back on campus. So we might, Texarkana is a good, good time. They like to party up there. Justin, it's the East Texas Minute. Got to hit this one from high on Boo Corrigan, which good luck with uh, dealing <laughs> with college football playoff. Did Bussy stick to Texas A&M because of the person he is? Seems like LSU was pushing hard, but did, couldn't get it done. And the Aggies got a good one. Real quick on this one. Boo Corrigan, you're exactly right. It was because the person he is. He had a better feel for College Station. It's a smaller town compared to other big cities. He's used to that small town vibe in, in Timpson. There is kind of that rural vibe in, in East Texas sometimes that does really hit. Bussy never, ever really considered decommitting, to be honest with you, because it's just not – in his train of thought. It's very similar to Arch Manning last year, which he didn't have a reason because the coaching changed. But once Arch committed, he was in. It was done. Terry Bussey has that same mindset. There's no decommitting. There's no transfer portal for Terry Bussey. It's because you ask him, what position do you want to play in college? Wherever the coach tells me. He's a great kid, and he stuck to A&M because he's not, he doesn't understand decommitment. Justin, more East Texas, but a little bit of Dallas is too. Patrick Page. Week three, Sock and Longview. Listen, there will be some skulls cracking in that game. There will be some – that is a must-watch game in week three. 
And, and I'm glad Texas has some guys in it that they can look, pay attention to, especially J.J. Shelton, the edge outside linebacker for Sock that, that, that was offered last year. And, you know, obviously they're, they're retooling as well. And Longview, it's the you know, they <laughs> Longview's going to reload. They do every year. They're going to reload. There's no more of the Taylor Tatum or, or uh, Jalen Hells, but, but that's going to be a good fight. Don't forget about Camorian Morgan over there at Sock. Oh, I forgot he moved. Oh, man. With Morgan on one side and Shelton on the other. Oh, John King is not going to sleep well that week. That's going to be a that's going to be one of those high profile high school football games where it's not just great players, but it's great coaches too. Jason Todd on one side, John King on the other like that. That could be a before uh, Duncanville and DeSoto and that group get started in district play. That could be the matchup uh, of the year in, in high school football. Any other good ones up there uh, for from as far as high school games on y'all's radar before y'all want to get into a little bit of a recruiting discussion? Um, Go ahead. I just want to see recruits. I mean, <clears throat> I love a good game, but I want to I want to see recruits that are going to go to Texas or going to go somewhere. I want to get a good idea of them. I'm in it to evaluate them and try to get an idea how good they're going to be in college. Try to get an idea, early idea of who Texas should be on in the classes ahead, that sort of thing. Uh, as far as games, if a good game breaks out, I'm always all for that too. But uh, my, my main focus typically is is to go watch uh, recruits. So let's I'm, talk about what you were able to do uh, this earlier today. And you went by uh, Pearland Shadow Creek, Alvin Shadow Creek. Maybe it's even in the city of Manville, but Shadow Creek High School. Pearland, put yeah. out a, a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, high level recruits, even in just like four or so years, five or so years of just being in existence. There's a Texas commit there now. There's a couple Texas targets in the 2025 class. And even one of the 2026 class you went and talked to uh, today. Right, Eric? Yeah, when I showed up, uh, Anthony Williams wasn't with the team because he was at basketball practice. He's a starter on a 27-2 and two, uh, Shadow Ooh. Creek basketball team. Um, and when I went to go watch him, they've also got a wide receiver uh, committed to Baylor that's uh, on the basketball team, Ashton Jones. And you go watch those guys. They look like basketball players out there. They're long and angular. Uh, super athletic, um, and Williams was draining uh, threes one after another. He's a lefty, uh, and he was just one after another. Very great, good, good kid to talk to. Um, you know, I think he's mostly shut down for the. Uh, it's still real early though. You know, Baylor and TCU are, are making a run at him, but I'm, I'm not too worried about that one. Uh, Jacory Watson, coaches absolutely raved about Watson. You know, he's an interesting recruit. He's, he's played quarterback a lot. He was injured this year, but he's going to be back at wide receiver. I think he's going to uh, break out big time. He said Texas is uh, recruiting him quite hard, um, you know, to the point where, you know, we're trying to figure out if they're going to push for a spring commitment or or, or, or summer commitment. Uh, it might be. Coaches actually raved about him. His football IQ, um, you know, just a highly motivated kid. And, you know, it's interesting. He's not tall, but he makes you feel small uh, standing next to him because he's wide. He's big. He's a big kid that's, that's five ten and a half or so. Um, and then Kobe Sellers is going to be interesting. There's a lot of Texas OU battles this cycle, and that's going to be another one, maybe one of the most hotly contested. You know, there was a lot of OU riders saying that they felt uh, OU had the upper hand, maybe even uh, close to committing. Um, that's not really the case on the ground in Shadow Creek, uh, but it is real close. It's a close It's a close recruitment. Uh, Texas is going to have to win it uh, down the stretch. So I think um, it's probably 50-50 right now. Word is he's going to decide in June or July, but if somebody if somebody can get him across the line before, then he'll he'll commit before taking all of his official visits. So, uh, Kobe Sellers is going to be a big one. That guy looks like a million bucks. That guy looks like a lead corner. There's not they're not going to move him. He's not going to be a safety. He's yeah. not going to be a nickel. He's going to be a cornerback. Uh, yeah. So if you get get him on one side, then you can get you can get a little bit more patient on the guys like Dorian Brew, 
Devin Sanchez, uh, you know, whoever else materializes. I think I think you mentioned this a little bit in what you wrote on Inside Texas today, even just now. But how how important may this spring be for colleges who are looking at Watson, who saw him play quarterback throughout most of his uh, the beginning of his career, and now he can go back to wide receiver? Is that something that can move him up or down boards? How do you, how do you view that? Well, I, I do think that some schools, if they back off on him, are going to regret it come October. Um, you know, he he got a he got a lot of offers based on being a freshman. He's the only freshman that's ever started at that's ever played at Shadow Creek, outside of when the school was uh, you know started up and they had to play with sophomores and freshmen. Um, so he's I mean he's everybody knows he's a talented wide receiver. And if you go watch him work out with he works out with Deshae Milburn uh, down there in the southeast side, uh, that guy has a bigger catch radius than a lot of six foot six foot one receivers. You know, he'll catch the ball out and away from his body. He'll contort. Um, he can be he can do the acrobatic stuff. Um, I think he's I think he's going to break out. And, you know, especially he's got the toughness. He's got the build. Coach calls him pound for pound, one of the toughest guys he's been around. Um, he thinks he's a pro. He thinks he's going to be a pro. You know, maybe he's got some of that Amon Ra skill set where they're tough. Uh, they, they can come down with the tough catches, the contested catches, break a tackle. Uh, just a good all around receiver. It's going to be interesting to see how it fits if he can fit in this Texas class, because obviously they're after a bunch of good ones. The, the, the class is loaded with options for UT. Uh, but I came away from that visit today wondering, uh, you know, maybe Ja'Cory Watson might end up in that class. We'll see. And this is just a big cycle for Houston. I know you wrote about that on on Inside Texas. Yeah, and it's a good time uh, it's to live in Houston. It's, yeah, it's a good time to live in Houston. But this is not just a, a one-off school who may not produce a lot of talent. This is a very productive school continuing their pipeline to the Power 5 level as well. Yeah, and it's not stopping anytime soon. They've got, you know, 2026 wide receiver Chris Stewart. Uh, he's about 5'11", 180. Again, he's kind of a bigger 5'11", uh, than he'd expect. He was bigger than I was expecting. He's uh, he's a blur. Uh, Texas was his first offer, and that's something that resonates. He was at Junior Day in January. Uh, coach said so, coach said he'd be surprised if he runs anything slower than a 10'8 this year. And anytime, anything early in the track season, 10'8 is fast. I don't care who it is. Uh, coach thinks he's going to get down around 10'4", 10'3". As a sophomore, <laughs> that, that's freakish. Remember, we thought uh, we thought Xavier Worthy was nuts because he ran 10.55 as a sophomore. If this kid's running 10.3, 10.4 as a sophomore, and he's got good tape, uh, led the district in touchdowns and receptions. Um, that kid's going to be uh, – he's got a chance to be top top 50 player in the nation. And, uh, you know, Texas, gonna, Texas is going to be thankful that they were the first offer. So when looking at someone uh, like Ja'Cory Watson – Obviously, he's pretty high on the board. Uh, there's questions for both of y'all, but Justin, I'll throw it to you first. Ja'Cory Watson's up there. Marcus Harris, uh, the, remind me of the guy from, from New Jersey. Who else is really high on the on the board along with Watson? At wide receiver, I mean, it starts and stops with DeCorian Moore, Duncanville's five-star. Uh, your number two is, in my opinion, a 2A and 2B with Andrew Marsh out of Katie Jordan and Marcus Harris. Uh, who I think is Andre Risen 2.0 um, out of modern day. And then you've got other guys that that I think you, you've got to have them in the conversation. Ja'Cory Watson, uh, Kelshawn Johnson out of Hitchcock. Um, you know, I, I, there's a couple that are slipping. Kalik Lockett out of Saxe. Like, this is going to be an interesting cycle because I think last year, Freddie DeBose and Parker Livingstone were easy gets, like almost too easy. And Ringo, Ryan Wingo was the was the main one that they had to like put in and go all in and, and get that elite guy. It's going to be interesting to see how they they pull that off this cycle. 
Um, but that that Chris Jackson's shown he can do well. Uh, the fact that he's going to have two guys drafted that he had some input on in the last year is going to be new skins on the wall for him as he's building up his college, uh, you know, credentials and career. And, and we're only going to see it, you know, increase that much more. Uh, I do want to answer one of one of the questions over here uh, from Jonathan Bonds, uh, and and I've got to bring a little bit of truth to him, and it won't take long. Uh, but, but but Mr. Bonds, uh, he basically asks. Before I die, will Spring Hill make a run in football? No, no. You don't. Won't. You don't even have to ask how long he's going to live. You just know the answer. No matter how long he lives, it doesn't matter. I I, I know. That was, that was I know cool. Jonathan, and I know his allegiance to the Panthers, and I know DJ Jarinka is not walking through that door. And so Jamari and Thomas, who wound up playing in the in, in big time, played in DKR for North Texas when Texas played against him. He was a, a tailback at Spring Hill. Uh, wind up playing in, I think, in the NFL for a minute. Those guys aren't happening anymore. If you play football, you're either going to Longview or, or Pine Tree in that in that in that town. Spring Hill, bless their heart. Just wait for basketball and baseball season, guys. Baseball team puts guys out D one on a regular basis. Hell, I think Texas had one or two in the last couple, uh, last three or four cycles. Joe, um, one of them was a lefty that was actually a pretty good pitcher. And so football ain't happening, Jonathan. I I, I hate that. Always good to hear from you. I'm glad you're watching, JB. Justin, you were on the trail, too. You went by uh, one of the best high school programs in the state in the past couple of days, and you saw Carthage High School. And there's a number of not only uh, Texas offers, but some Texas targets uh, and even some future Texas targets there. Talk about some of the, the offers who are there for sure, and then some of the other guys on the radar there at Carthage. Yeah, you know, it's always fun to go to go hang out with Scott Surratt. You know, this guy let me hang out in his office for three hours yesterday and he just talks about everything. And he is such he's I learn something every time I go there because he puts film up on the big screen and they go. He goes play to play. This is what happened. I mean, it, it it's so much fun. Then his phone rings and he won't answer it. And I, and I ask him, what are you waiting for? What, you don't want to take the call? He goes, I have eight rings. I only answer on the ninth. And so he wants that ninth ring. And this, I think this class is going to get it. And this is this is a good 2025 class, but my God, the 2026s are gorgeous. It's just ridiculous. It starts with running back KJ Edwards. This is a kid that's aiming for a 10-5 in the hundred this year at a solid 5'10 and a half, 5'11, probably 200, almost 200 pounds, about 190. I mean, looks fantastic. Georgia visit's going to happen. He'll be at Texas for the spring game, most likely loves to sharp choice. Texas is early on that one, but he's going to be a national kid before it's said and done. Um, also quarterback Jet Surratt. That kid's up to 6'1", 180 now. And I thought he was going to be Jordan Spieth 2.0 just because of how stinking good he is at golf his whole life. But then he threw a touchdown in a football game, and he said there's no feeling like it. So now with Texas Tech offer, Houston offer, UTSA offer, SMU's in the mix, I think a good season this coming up is going to be big for him. Uh, they got a big uh, wide receiver, it's 2026, and Keyshawn Henderson, a 6'3 kid that sinks his hips and explodes. Uh, you know, these are guys that that are going to be – that played last year, that made runs as sophomores that are going to be like really credible uh, juniors now. But the best kid I saw potential-wise – my God, that was DeQuavis Beck. He was something. I, I got to tell you, I've never seen a human tie their shoes without bending over. It's unbelievable. How are, you, long. are you saying his name right? Because that's not what you spelled it out to me the other day. DeQuavis, you said it's DeQuavis. It's DeQuavis. 
It's Kui. So, and, and they call him Kui. So when I said so when I said like key K E Y and you said yes, how do you pronounce key? Kui. Like your house key. Is it your house quiz? Hey, if this is a key and pale skit, it's working. Oh my lord, man. The my queen house- is back. They call him Kui. Let me tell you something. Okay, Long, six two, two hundred pounds, four six, gonna run track this spring. He is unreal. And then we I watched some tape of him. He is violent. He has bad intentions, guys. And Texas offered early. Blake Gideon got in on it. He'd love to take a visit. I, I was the first guy to do an interview with him, and I'm glad because uh, I had KJ in there with me because I wanted him to feel comfortable. But my goodness, that kid is going to be something special. And I expect Carthage to be really good again. I mean, breaking news. That's going to happen in 2020 and 2024. Uh, they'll make another run. But it's it's a team stock full of would-be juniors. That that And I think – the class of 2026 is going to be Surratt's last. And I think after that, he'll be a college coach. I think there was a, a comment from Patrick Page, Surratt to college football soon because he sees Jeff Trailer making bank. I, I can't blame him. And I know he's pretty well paid over at Carthage ISD, but uh, that college. He's been coach- offered multiple, multiple jobs at the college level over the last decade. He wants to coach his son. That's the main thing. He wants to, he's always wanted to coach his son. Family is very important. And his kid could chunk it. He is unbelievably accurate. He's got good athleticism and he's a good leader. He's already stepping up. And so I, I can't wait to go watch those guys play. And you got two Texas offers and two potential others coming up. If he likes uh, throwing touchdowns, well, he's at the right place. If he wants to keep finding that feeling with Carthage under Coach Surratt. So, Eric, Justin, I think this is about all the time we've got for our Wednesday night live stream. Thank you all so much for joining. Make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the Inside Texas Football YouTube channel. we got great stuff coming on a daily basis. Justin mentioned earlier we'll have some deep dive info tomorrow on the channel. Make sure you head to InsideTexas.com. You can get one month of access for $1. Great time to get you all the way up until spring football, and you're going to love everything we have over at Inside Texas. Come join the great community. We got everything going on there between discussion about college basketball, the Longhorn search for an NCAA tournament bid, so many different things. Come check us out. Justin, what do you have? I want a prediction. Don't jump off until we get a Super Bowl prediction. We didn't even get to talk about the Super Bowl. And we got a lot of vibes there. Big 12 quarterbacks, Texas X's. Our boy Charles Amena, who ain't playing in it. Mahomes is probably going to win another damn ring. Like, we didn't even get a prediction. I want him. Go. Go. Eric, you go first. Uh, let's see here. I'll go 27-21 Chiefs, unfortunately. All right, Joe, I'll go, you're next. I'll go 34-24 Niners. I'm going to go 34-30 San Francisco. I absolutely hate doing that. I rarely bet against my Somebody home. explain to me why they're picking the, the Niners. I'm a Niners fan. I've been a Niners fan since – Because you know, Kansas football. City just got hot. There are holes there. That that team was not the same team eight weeks ago. Niners should have lost the last two games. They're, they're, they're fortunate to even be in this game. That second half, I think, carries over. I think they got better players, Eric. And I think Shanahan, I think the 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 Niners are pissed because of a few years ago. Their defense is so loaded, man. Well, I I know that. And, 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 you know, Purdy's a good good quarterback for that offense. I mean, but a lot of guys would be a good quarterback for that offense. I'm I'm not betting against Pat Mahomes. And I feel like like we're having a a body swap here. No, listen. I I don't like the fake beef. 
He's been doing this fake beef stuff this year with the villain and Justin Tucker's in my space crap. I love Patrick. I will always root for Patrick, but I don't like being wrong. I think San Francisco, I think Christian McCaffrey is a difference guy. I think they win. And I hate freaking saying that. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I just hope both teams have fun. So the Niners, the Niners have had better players than every Super Bowl they've been in in the last few years and lost. The, all the ones they lost, they had the best roster in football except for at quarterback. Shanahan wasn't calling that game. He's Harbaugh, on a right now. Harbaugh lost. like simpatico. Harbaugh lost to the Ray. I mean, good Lord. I don't know, man. Well, I, hey, I'll, I'll be watching. Uh, I might even break out one of my old school jerseys. Uh, that, that Super Bowl, Niners versus uh, Ravens. My wife brought up my 97 Young jersey, and she goes, Steve Young wore 97? Of course, it was Brian. Brian yeah. Young. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. oh, man. We'll have, a, we'll, have a, we'll have a great discussion thread on Inside Texas, like usual. The uh, the game threads that are not involving Texas games, a lot of fun. So thank oh, you yeah. all for joining. Make sure you like the video again. Subscribe to the channel. Come over to Inside Texas. Join the conversation, not just on Super Bowl Sunday, but every day of the week. Guys, thank you so much, and we will see you next time.